Is our energy grid strong enough to keep your lights on? The answer to this is yes, well, for now. Today, Australia's energy regulator is warning a lot more investment is needed and quickly in order to avoid an energy shortfall. Here's the head of AEMO, Daniel Westerman, on Breakfast Earlier. What we see towards the back end of the decade is increasing reliability gaps, and those gaps hit every mainland state in the national electricity market. The analysis that AMO undertakes is only on what's called committed projects. They really have to be there and with a firm expectation that they will be delivered. Chris Bowen is the Energy and Climate Change Minister, and he joins us this morning. Minister, welcome. Thanks very much, PK. Good to be back. AEMO says we're going to have reliability gaps as soon as 2027. That's very soon. How will you ensure the lights stay on? Well, the first thing to say, uh, Patricia, is that this report is designed to achieve this very outcome, to let people know, both governments and private sector investors, where the regulator sees gaps in coming years and where investment should be focused. So it's fulfilling that purpose. The second point is, the last report was just last August. AEMO has taken the decision that there have been so many developments, mainly positive developments since last August, that they would update their report just a few months later to provide a new indication. And that indicates that the reliability gaps that AEMO was concerned about in the next couple of years have been closed with a big uptake in renewable energy investment. Uh, and that is good news. But yes, AEMO is correctly pointing out that there is still much, much more work to do. Now, to your question about what we're doing about that, a lot, a lot. Now, we've we've uh, negotiated rewiring the nation deals with Victoria, Tasmania and New South Wales. None of those are reflected in this report, and AEMO says in this report uh, these will make a big difference once they've reached a stage that they can reflect them. Secondly, at the state and territory energy ministers meeting last year, the last one just before Christmas, I negotiated with the states what's called the capacity investment mechanism, which will underpin and underwrite billions of dollars of investment in dispatchable renewables. Uh, we've made good progress on that since we agreed that uh, last year, and that is that is a big deal. That will unleash at least six gigawatts, at least 10 billion, probably more over the next few years. And then finally, of course, Patricia, again, just before Christmas, I announced $176 million worth of investment in large-scale batteries right across the national energy grid, the national energy market grid, which will unlock about $2.7 billion of big-scale batteries, which is very important. So we need more renewable energy. We need it dispatchable. And as I've said many times to you, PK, and to your listeners, this transition to renewable energy needs to be faster than it has been over the last decade, much faster and much more orderly and reliable than it's been okay. over the last decade. So, and that's what we are achieving. No, so you've explained that obviously there have been additional projects which can't be um, in this report because this only counts committed projects. AEMO believes all mainland states will exceed their energy capacity by 2030. Does that mean that blackouts are inevitable? No, no, and AEMO is not suggesting that, Daniel Westerman who is a very, very good chief executive EMO, has not suggested that. It does mean that we've got more work to do, uh, that what we've done over the last nine months is important, that when you're making up for four gigawatts of dispatchable power leaving the grid over the last decade and only one gigawatt coming in, you've got a lot more work to do. Plus, 
as we electrify, as we make the transition, uh, the, we're going to need more electricity, not less. So yes, this task is very significant. Of course it is. Um, but the progress we've made so far, I am pleased with, not yet satisfied with, because we have mm. a lot more to do to lock these down. Uh, but I'm very pleased with the progress we've made so far. Those things that I just mentioned, rewiring the nation, you know, the, the AMA report makes clear and Daniel Westerman made clear in his interview with you, we need a lot more transmission. That's exactly yep. what rewiring the nation does. That's the previous government didn't do it. We are doing it. That's what the capacity investment mechanism does. Underpinning and underwriting investment must be dispatchable and renewable. It must be both. And that's important because dispatchable really means storage. It means that you know, we can we okay. can generate renewable energy at the peak periods and store it for the evenings. That's absolutely essential. So given it does, given though the report does warn that 2027 we will see gaps, and and Daniel Westerman said to me every mainland state will actually suffer. Does that mean that you can guarantee that in 2027 we won't see these gaps? That you will ensure there's enough investment in the system so that that's not the case? In effect, yes, Patricia. In effect, yes, that's exactly what we're doing. We're not doing this for fun. Uh, we're doing this to generate, one, the renewable in investment we need to get to uh, 82% renewables in our grid by 2030. That's a big lift How from is where all we of are. This, this dramatic and fast escalation going to happen under your watch then in time? Well, well it's going to happen because we're getting on with the job. We're building the transmission. When are we going to start seeing the evidence of it in these kinds of reports? Well, we're, well we already are, Patricia, with respect. I mean, last year... Renewable investment was up 50%. That's 4.3 gigawatts, enough to power 3 million homes. And the vast majority of that was after the 22nd of May. You know, so already we are seeing that come through. The fact that we've legislated our targets, one of the relatively few jurisdictions in the world to actually legislate the targets, the renewable investors I met with in Australia and around the world tell me that is a game changer for where they focus their renewable energy investment. That's already happening. We're already seeing huge interest in our offshore wind uh, policies. As you know, I've already designated the first zone Gippsland. Uh, we're making good progress on the second zone uh, and there's much more to do, but the, already the investment is coming through. There's huge interest. We're seeing huge interest in our transmission we're seeing the investment in batteries. Uh, as I said, that $176 million I announced, some of which was repurposed from some failed previous government programs to actually get big batteries underway, unlocks $2.7 billion of private investment in batteries, which is what we need. I mean, yes, in nine months, have we have we fixed every single reliability gap for the next decade? No, there's more work to do. Am, so, I, am I pleased with what we've done? Yes. Am I yet satisfied? No. So given the report has to rely on committed projects, when do you expect the report um, in in the next year or two to, to say that that shortfall will not happen? Yeah, I do expect that sort of progress, Patricia, because, I mean... So again, when will it, as it be well, able to on. guarantee well, that? I'm just trying to wonder what sort of time yes. frame you're trying to funnel this investment in by. Well, if we're talking about the sorts of time frames, I mean, as I said, the last report was out in August. The EMO board took the decision, here we are in February, to say, ah, this report is now out of date, we need to update it. That's August to February. I mean, that's the sort of progress we're making. Um, you know, the, this report normally comes out once a year or, or, or so, this is a report which has been put out in a much more rapid time frame because AEMO has reached the view that the guidance they provided last August is now at date because we've seen a lot more investment coming through with renewables. So the sorts of decisions we are making across the board are making a difference on that sort of a time frame. I expect AEMO will 
provide further updates. Is every is every update going to say, you know, it's all magically fixed? Of course not. This is a very big task. Yep. But every update, so, every update will show, in my view, very real and substantial progress. We've just got to get to a couple of other issues before I let you go. Today, Australia's biggest steelmaker, Blue Scope, is warning the company may shift offshore if the safeguard mechanism is too onerous. Are you listening to that threat? Uh, of course, I, I've been talking to Blue Scope. I've been talking to people across the board. Uh, you know, welcome to climate policy, Patricia. There's people on your show saying our safeguards policy goes nowhere near far enough. There's other people saying it goes too far. I believe we've got the balance right. Of course, on the 9th of January, I put out the government's preferred position, but I also indicated that it would be open for consultation till the end of February. That's the end of this week. Um, I'll then read through every submission and update our policy in response to the submissions where I think uh, a valid case for uh, reconsideration has been made. Um, but of course, what we want to be is a country that makes things. Of course, steel is absolutely essential to our trans transition. So I what, mean, we're going to need a lot more steel. We're going to need yeah. a lot more steel for the transition. What do so, you yes. have to change to ensure that they provide a guarantee that they remain in Australia? Well, well I've had good discussions with Blue Scope and they've reflected that. In their, in their public statements, I think. And, of course, I've had good discussions across the board. I've had good discussions with environmental groups about our safeguard reforms. This is, this is a big reform, which takes 205 million tonnes of emissions out of the air by 2030, which is equivalent to two-thirds of Australia's cars. It's a big deal. So, of course, people have views about every nuance. And I don't suggest for one moment, never have, that you know, on the 9th of January, uh, with, this was set in stone and there wouldn't be a case to talk to people about mm. their views about this. That's I said that on the 9th of January when I released okay. this. Uh, but, of course, when you're never doing a big and difficult reform, people will have views about it. People will, will say, oh, this could be done better, or this doesn't go far oh, yeah. enough, this goes too far. So you need the Greens, we know this, to get this through, the safeguards mechanism. The Greens um, say they are willing to consider a climate trigger where the environmental impact will have to be taken into account when assessing new projects. Is that something you're willing to negotiate on? Well, look, Patricia, as I said to you last week, I'll sit down with people of good faith across the parliament. But what we do will be in keeping with one, our election commitments and two, what we need to do in the national interest. I mean, you and I have just had a conversation about uh, the, the importance of keeping the lights on uh, and we're getting to 82% renewables by 2030. That's a big lift from where we are. It does mean that 18% of our energy grid will not be renewable by 2030. It means we need to ensure uh, that reliability. They're the sorts of things I have to consider and weigh up. My obligation is to get emissions down, keep the lights on, create jobs, create You investment. also need to get it through. And so if, if the climate and, and trigger is a way of getting well, it through, Patricia, is that a mechanism Patricia, rather than just a ban on um, well, coal and gas? I'm not going to negotiate with Mr. Bant through you. Uh, with respect, uh, I'll negotiate with Mr. Bant with Mr. Bant. And just as we did on the climate bill, which people said we wouldn't pass because the Liberals were against it and the Greens said it didn't go far enough, just as we did on the electric vehicle tax cut, which didn't have the numbers to start with, just as we did with the electricity relief package, which okay. didn't have the numbers to start with, our track record is to work with people of good faith across the parliament and get things done. And that's the same approach I'll be taking here. But... Uh, we won't be, you know, signing blank checks to other people. I'll be acting in the national interest and acting in accord with our election. Very briefly, you're a former shadow treasurer. Superannuation tax breaks look like they're under uh, under review by your government. Didn't you promise that you wouldn't touch them? Well, I think Jim Chalmers made a very thoughtful contribution yesterday um, about this and, you know, having a sensible, mature conversation with Australian people. I was a bit gobsmacked to hear the shadow minister on your program 
just a little while ago say, uh, you know, it doesn't matter that women don't get a fair share of superannuation concessions and just laugh that off. I, that uh, uh, that really uh, surprised me, and I'm pretty hard to surprise these days in politics, Patricia. That sort of glib uh, dismissal of real issues that the Treasury is putting on the table. Superannuation is a magnificent national achievement, which my side of politics is very proud of, uh, and it means that Australians who have been on low and moderate incomes during their working life have a chance of a dignified retirement. Uh, I, I think the Treasurer pointing out that we need to ensure it's equitable and sustainable should be uh, relatively uncontroversial. The fact that the well, you did promise not to touch it—that's where the well, controversy the, lies. Well, the fact that the shadow minister took offence at the words equitable and sustainable this morning, I found a little okay. surprising. We're out of time. Thank you so much, Chris Bowen. Always a pleasure, Patricia. Climate change and energy minister Chris Bowen, and you're listening to RM Breakfast. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.